0: As I have gone alone in there, and with my treasures bold, I can keep my secret ware, and hint of riches new and old. Begin it where warm waters halt, and take it in the canyon down, Not far, but too far to walk, put in below the home of brown. From there it's no place for the meek, the end is ever drawing nigh, There'll be no paddle up your creek, just heavy loads and water high. (laughs) If you've been wise and found the blaze, look quickly down, your quest to cease. But tarry scant with marvel gaze, just take the chest and go in peace. So why is it that I must go and leave my trove for all to seek? The answers I already know. I've done it, tired, and now I'm weak. So hear me all and listen good. Your effort will be worth the cold. If you are brave and in the wood, I give you title to the gold. Having heard that poem, Andrew, are you ready to search for some buried treasure? You had me at heavy loads, Eric. I figured I would. whoopsies my name is eric mcadams and this is a podcast about incompetence each week i tell a guest and you the listener a story from history involving massive incompetence this week my guest is three time returning guest andrew say hi andrew hey everyone back for more (laughs) couldn't get rid of me (laughs) I feel like I gave you a real big intro and you were like, hey guys. I know. I've been
1: begging Eric to get back on this podcast for far too long.
0: (laughs) I asked you and you were like, cool. They don't know that. Yeah, I'm just you you don't need to you don't need to portray yourself as this beggar, Andrew. Well I am. I am what I am. (laughs) And what he is is a liar on podcasts. So previous episodes involving Andrew include the one about the phony war. I think that was episode six. Yeah, that sounds about right. Uh, and
1: I'll check. I'll check the archive after this.
0: And then I can't remember what number the other one was. Episode like fourteen or something was pirates. about pirates.
1: And now we're back for more.
0: Yeah, and we did pirates because you asked specifically for pirates, and this time you gave me no guidelines. There was, it, I had the whole wide world to choose from.
1: Yeah, I, I think the pirate thing, while it served its purpose, I, I wanted to learn about pirates. I learned about pirates. Yeah, um, I need to expand my horizons outside of pirates. Mm-hmm. So, I think buried treasures, you know, it's close enough, not too much of a reach. <laughs>
0: well, that's that's part of why I picked this because it was somewhat thematically similar. It's got it's got the whole yep. buried treasure aspect even if pirates like very rarely actually buried their treasure that was more of a an invention of writers that came later
1: my fans have come to expect a certain theme for my shows yeah so i think this yeah. is this is very on brand for me
0: <laughs> well originally i was going to do a much more uh subversive take on the buried treasure thing originally we were going to talk about fatbergs Uh, But I had had to change that around a bit. I had to call an Audible and do something else because I couldn't get all my research stuff together in time for that one. Whereas for this one, my research materials were very readily available.
1: And that's why they pay you the big bucks. Yeah, buddy.
0: (laughs) That's why I'm the highest paid podcaster to ever live. I make no money. (laughs) But what you do make
1: is in memories
0: yeah what i make is friendship andrew
1: (laughs) no that would be inviting strangers onto your podcast you should start doing that
0: well stay tuned uh, (laughs) we've actually the thing is i've actually tried that once and it went fine the episode worked out pretty well i had uh anime and her friend lisa on and i lost all of my audio from it so oh. it's just a lost episode. That's why That's why recently I had to skip an episode. Didn't have one to upload. That's heartbreaking. Yeah, I thought I'd been all smart. Like, I thought I'd, like, worked out a buffer where I had, like, two episodes, like, in the can, ready to go. And then one of them just, poof, gone. <laughs>
1: <laughs> uh, that's what you get for trying not to procrastinate.
0: This is what I get for planning ahead. This is what I get... Yep. For thinking myself above my fellow man. This is what I get for putting myself in the realm of gods.
1: And you've learned a valuable lesson and now prepare the night before.
0: Yeah, but I've learned a valuable lesson. This episode is literally being recorded the night before it's going to go up. (laughs) Thank you, Andrew, for putting that one right on the nose. Do you want to get started with the actual episode now?
1: Yeah, yeah, let's do it.
0: All right. In 1972... A man named Forrest Finn arrived in Santa Fe, New Mexico. He had previously been a pilot in the United States Air Force, where he says he flew 328 missions in the Vietnam War. He has also been decorated multiple times for his uh, military career. When so he got why to... New Mexico? I'm not sure, actually. I think he might have been joining a friend there. But he, but I know what he planned to do there. Okay. When he got to Santa Fe, he did it to use his life savings to start an art business. Forrest knew next to nothing about art, but back when he lived in Lubbock, Texas, uh, he had made uh, part of that life savings by buying sculptures from struggling artists, making bronzes out of them, and then selling those. Feels kind of icky. Right? It's just just a little bit. It's pretty slimy. Like it's, it's you know, it's good that he's paying the artists or whatever. That's good, but like, I bet he didn't pay them for. I didn't bet he didn't give him any royalties for the bronzes he made. I know, and
1: it's even worse being in such a thriving art community in what was it called, Texas? Lubbock, Texas.
0: Yeah, Lubbock. Yes, everyone knows about that. Mm-hmm. He would he would continue this practice once he got to Santa Fe, and Santa Fe is actually fairly artsy community um i think in the 80s there were like over a hundred art galleries in oh, the wow. city yeah so Forrest starts an art gallery uh with a friend of his that eventually just uh, is operated by him and his wife he starts an art gallery that he quickly used to sell more than just art um alongside uh genuinely expensive sculptures and paintings he would also sell native American artifacts and curios. Like he was a fucking gift shop. <laughs> Tell me more about the curios. He would, he had like, eventually this, this art gallery grew. So it had like eight different rooms in it. And so he would just have like moccasins and headdresses and all, and all kinds of stuff. Like as uh, any range of expensive, like it could be super cheap, could be super expensive. Like, like, he just had a ton of this kind of stuff because if he couldn't reel in rich customers for the for the expensive stuff, he wanted to be able to attract other people, spread word of mouth and sell small stuff. Which seems makes like a sound sense. business model. Yeah, yeah, it makes sense for a business model. He would also occasionally trade those bronze statues for uh, Native American stuff uh, like straight from the source from the Native American I'm not or sure. Other... The article hmm. that I read did not specify
1: that's for another episode
0: yeah also the article i read exclusively referred to native americans as just indians which feels a little weird (laughs) it's probably a historical record he would also uh just a fun fact here he would also openly sell forgeries uh of paintings by famous artists like monet degas that kind of thing um he would set, they were they were very they were like pretty high quality forgeries he would sell the forgeries for almost ten thousand dollars
1: but people knew that they were forgeries
0: yeah op- he openly did it and he said if someone wasn't going to pay for something that looked the same as a monet doesn't that make them the snob <laughs> that was one of his things you know, sounds like
1: a snake oil salesman
0: yeah if you're just paying for the signature what are you really paying for
1: I'm imagining him also forging certificates of authenticity.
0: Yeah, this is also the 80s, so people couldn't just, like, print it off a fucking internet and then put it on their wall themselves. Yeah, what a sad time. Yeah. Santa Fe is very heavy on art galleries. Uh, People selling, like, original art, like, normal art galleries, (laughs) thought that he was, (laughs) thought that Forrest was an overpriced, cheesy hack, basically. Uh, but that didn't stop rich people from coming to see Forrest. Forrest would send out limos to the Santa Fe Airport to pick up VIP clients and bring them to his art gallery, where they could stay in one of his three guest residences that he kept on the property.
1: This is getting weirder.
0: Yeah, the property also. Yeah, I know it sounds a little culty, but that's not the direction we're going. <laughs> I promise. Um, It's and it sounds even more culty because he had like a whole he had like grounds like a garden and a pond in his gallery like the gallery had like eight different rooms three different places where important people could stay uh when he when he got rich people to come by they wouldn't have to buy anything but like literally everything they were surrounded by was for sale like they could buy the fine wines that he would serve them they could buy the rugs that he had on the floors they could buy any of the books that were in the libraries like
1: this is like the world's weirdest bed and breakfast yeah it's oh please stay at my house but buy Mm -hmm. all my things i'm desperate
0: but any part of this is yours to buy (laughs) <laughs> Basically. Uh these clients included but were not limited to Steve Martin, former presidents, Steven Spielberg, Jessica Lang, Robert Redford, and many more. <laughs> Robert Redford was especially a, a favorite client of Forrest Fenn. He would he liked collecting Eric Sloane paintings. Uh that was that was what Redford liked to collect, and Fenn would Get them for him.
1: Hmm.
0: By the late 80s, Forrest was doing very well for himself. Easily, easily a millionaire at this point. And then he was diagnosed with kidney cancer. Oh, no. Not Forrest.
1: (laughs) Oh, that's what I was imagining.
0: (laughs) Anyone but Forrest. He's obviously got, you know, enough money to pay for some treatments. He starts to undergo chemo for it. But doctors give him just a 20% chance of survival. And that was when Forrest had an idea. Bing! Forrest thought about how much he had loved adventure stories as a kid, how he loved going and exploring new places and looking for treasure. So he decided to take some of the riches that he had collected and put them in a chest and hide them somewhere. I think he's
1: the first person to come up with that idea.
0: Yeah, I don't think anyone else has ever done it. (laughs) What if I had all my things in one place and no one could find it but me? <laughs> I'm going to call this a bank. <laughs> nah, I'm just kidding. It's going to be a hole in the ground. Much safer. Yeah. Do you want to hear what he decided to put in to this treasure that he was going to hide somewhere? Yes, please. I'm quoting from an article in the, the Hemispheres magazine from United Airlines. Because why not? Right. Why, why would that not be one of the sources I had for this? United Airlines getting some uh, free ad space. I guess. <laughs> Just it's a great airline, was,
1: everyone. You should check it out.
0: You know, that, that journalism that happens for Hemispheres magazine. Uh, this is a direct quote. The booty included a jar full of gold dust panned in Alaska, gold coins, large and small gold nuggets, Pre-Columbian gold animal figures, two ancient Chinese jade carvings, a 17th century Spanish gold and emerald ring, and a beloved bracelet of turquoise beads excavated from a Mesa Verde ruin in 1903 that Fenn had won in a game of pool. The total value amounted to about $3 million. Where'd I lose you, Andrew? Was it the game of pool?
1: (laughs) Oh man, I can't believe this guy. I can't believe this guy has time for billiards. He seems like such a, a busy entrepreneur.
0: Yeah, he's had he's had quite a life, it seems. Also,
1: who did he win it off of? Like, who was carrying around this, it this treasure? It is not
0: mentioned. They <laughs> <laughs> do not say.
1: Can you just repeat that part of the... The quote
0: uh, a beloved bracelet of turquoise beads excavated from a mesa verde ruin in 1903 that fenn had won in a game of pool
1: it's like the guy who discovered it for the first time was just walking by the billiards hall and was like i'll stop in for a game <laughs> and then gonna, he got it taken gonna bet
0: one bead at a time
1: <laughs> exactly
0: it's like oh, i lost
1: my first game
0: <laughs> oh darn <laughs> oh man what do you think he put up as collateral for his side of the bet?
1: Probably a fake painting.
0: <laughs> I'll give you three Monets. <laughs> That's what I'll put up against that, that bracelet you got.
1: Everyone else in the, the pool hall must have been so confused. Like, <laughs> where are these people getting these artifacts from?
0: <laughs> guys, guys, you gotta come down. Forrest is playing pool for a bracelet. <laughs> it's winner take all (laughs) oh man what a scene he puts together this treasure this is happening in the late 80s uh and to mid 90s is when he's like ruminating on the idea and coming up with it but a funny thing happened he survived Forrest's cancer went into remission (laughs) so he didn't that An unexpected thing happened then, (laughs) Andrew. His cancer went into remission, so he didn't hide the treasure. And actually, he didn't hide the treasure in the 80s or the 90s or the early 2000s. He waited until 2010 to hide it. Wow, that was pretty recent. Yeah, he just sat on this treasure for like 15 years. Just going like, yeah, I'll get to it some other time. He waited until he was 80 years old. Although he did show the treasure to some friends beforehand because he's got a bunch of friends who are like, I have seen the treasure and I have held it in my hands because like if it was just his word for it, we wouldn't believe him, would we? I'm going to be
1: honest, like in the 70s or 80s, three million dollars would be you know, quite a quite a trove there. Yeah, like three million dollars in 2010. I
0: feel like you don't have to bury that at that point. Just put it in a bank. <laughs> See, but here's the thing whoever finds it he wants them to just have it like he's just he's just giving it oh. to whoever finds it yeah that's that's the thing because he waits until 2010 before he hides it and obviously then he wrote a memoir about it because you know why not who doesn't want to read that and the memoir contained clues and the poem that i read you earlier and once he did that obviously words starts to get out and he makes it very clear that whoever finds it it is theirs to keep
1: this is like a Willy Wonka slash National Treasure type situation.
0: Exactly. That's it's like a it's like a it's like <laughs> it's like Pirates of the Caribbean, but for the social media age.
1: And for way less money.
0: Yeah, and in the Rocky Mountains.
1: And there's not giant depth.
0: Yeah, which is a good thing, to be honest.
1: Ah, uh, he was still pretty good in 2010. By now, yes, for sure yeah that's he's, i mean like out. i
0: got nothing against the first pirates of the caribbean movie but you know anything that johnny depp is in now is kind of like ooh. especially now like the friggin harry potter movies that are coming out like
1: is he in those movies
0: yeah he plays grindelwald the dark wizard
1: i was gonna say uh, <laughs> for for a second i thought it was uh Vander, but that's Vander.
0: Yeah, uh, Grindelwald's the dark wizard that Dumbledore defeated. That they yeah, tell you about yeah, At the yeah. beginning of the Harry Potter series. And he's also like the main villain in Fantastic Beasts and Where to Find Them, that whole thing. Oh, I still haven't seen
1: that, but I should.
0: Well, there's this... I'm sorry I'm spoiling this for you because I just told you that he plays Grindelwald. <laughs> and
1: for anyone else who hasn't seen it.
0: Yeah, spoilers for uh, Fantastic Beasts and Where to Find Them. So Colin Farrell's been the villain for the whole time in that movie. Like, the whole movie... And, like, Colin Farrell plays a pretty good villain. Like, he's kind of compelling and and mysterious and definitely not a good guy. And he also, like, looks pretty good in the whole, like, robe get-up because he's Colin Farrell. And then at yep. the very end... It turns out that was a disguise. It was Johnny Depp as Grindelwald all along. So you get this like cool looking uh, Colin Farrell just morph into this shorter Johnny Depp with like shitty white hair. <laughs> it's the funniest thing ever. And I just like, it happens. to be like, fucking that's it. That's we should have been the other way around. It should have been Johnny Depp was the right. shitty one. And then, ooh, Colin Farrell.
1: Is the worst reveal in film history.
0: God, it's incredible. And J.K. Rowling is writing them, the uh, the Fantastic Beasts movies. Mm-hmm. And not only is she defending the casting of Johnny Depp, a known domestic abuser, but also, uh, or I guess a known alleged domestic abuser, but also she said that there will be no in-movie reference to the fact that Dumbledore is gay. <laughs> like she will not do it despite the fact that she said that he had like a whole relationship with Grindelwald like she will she said there absolutely will not be like any evidence at all of him actually being gay we're just going to say what, he why is. mention it yeah oh yeah cuz you know that's what she did she was like oh Dumbledore was gay the whole time uh don't ask me for proof
1: <laughs> it's definitely one of those things where the series was over, and she thought she was losing control of her product. Mm-hmm. And she was like, "Oh, I have to stay relevant." And then years later, she never expected these movies to come out, and now she has to kind of cover up and be like, "Yeah, we're not going to talk about it, though."
0: Yeah, she's not great, to be honest. Haven't well, have not she been. She wrote a by... lot of
1: very good books.
0: Yeah, just haven't been impressed by her recently. Is the point we're trying to make? We're going to get back to our actual story now. (laughs) Forrest Fenn uh, puts out this memoir, The Word Gets Out, and that's where we're going to take a break for another show on the Major Cast Network. I'm very good at podcasting. Do you find yourself unable to watch television? Who has the time? Well, luckily, we do.
1: I'm Liam Senior. I'm Josh Phillips we host a podcast where we watch old cancel TV for, for you. you. Musty TV every Thursday on the Major Cast Network. My father says we're crazy. My mother won't talk to me
0: anymore. So when we left off where it had just gotten out to the outside world that there was a treasure ranging somewhere in the 1 million to 3 million dollar range out in the world that people could find and have for their own. The treasure has not been found to this day. Ugh. Just going to just going to spoil that for you right now. We're not that's not what we're building towards.
1: We're building towards the trip that we're going to plan, Eric, to find <laughs> the treasure.
0: To find, to get to the Rocky Mountains.
1: This is where we ask all of the listeners to donate to our GoFundMe page. <laughs> yeah. So Eric and I can find the treasure. Hey, for
0: our gas money. <laughs> that's the idea. This treasure has not been found to this day. It has sat somewhere in the Rocky Mountains north of Santa Fe for years. There's there is a very wide range of places that it could be because Forrest Fenn has very deliberately left a lot of it open to interpretation. You would, At first it was like, oh, it's going to be just north of Santa Fe. That's where we should be, you know, looking. And then people kind of realized, well, north of Santa Fe could mean... <laughs> anywhere north of santa fe in the rocky mountains i guess there
1: is that canada place <laughs> it's
0: just you got because it is that is he has made that clear as in the rocky mountains so naturally there have been thousands of attempts to find this this uh treasure because you know this is the social media age where information gets out people hear about it
1: yeah because uh, you're telling everyone on this podcast
0: mm, there's also been national news coverage uh, there are blogs and websites just dedicated to figuring out clues to where the treasure is. Um, those are the really, like, dedicated fanatics trying to find the treasure. There are a lot of websites, a lot of message boards. People kind of pore over every clue and every interview Forrest has ever given. Um, and the first and most important thing is that poem that I read at the beginning of the episode. Do you want to hear it again, Andrew? Yes, please. We're going to go a little quicker this time. As I have gone alone in there, and with my treasures bold, I can keep my secret ware and hint of riches new and old. Begin it where warm waters halt, and take it in the canyon down. Not far, but too far to walk, put in below the home of Brown. From there it's no place for the meek, the end is ever drawing nigh. There'll be no paddle up your creek, just heavy loads and water high. If you've been wise and found the blaze, look quickly down your quest to cease. But tarry scant with marvel gaze, just take the chest and go in peace. So why is it that I must go and leave my trove for all to seek? The answers I already know. I've done it tired and now I'm weak. So hear me all and listen good. Your effort will be worth the cold. If you are brave and in the wood, I give you title to the gold he says that there are nine clues in that poem and i i I don't think we should like pour over and figure out exactly which one's which i think that would get very boring very fast
1: (laughs) i also love that he wrote you know like probably what is like 20 lines yeah ish so he has 11 throwaway lines that just rhyme (laughs) yeah like he was like all right. I'll put nine clues and then everything has to rhyme. So oh I'll God. A bunch of garbage.
0: Yeah. <laughs> Gotta rhyme it somewhere. I also like that. There's like a whole stanza about like why he did it. <laughs> <laughs> like a preemptive defense against anyone who says like, this is stupid.
1: <laughs> but people are going to say that. Like we're still saying that. Oh you? yeah.
0: People definitely are. People <laughs> do that all the time. <laughs> Cause uh, he says that he gets somewhere around like a hundred emails a week or something. Uh, just from people either asking for help or like more clues in in the emails. (laughs) Wait, can
1: you imagine having the audacity to email him
0: and be like, um, I'm having some trouble. Oh, can I have a clue? It goes beyond that. More than just people asking for like help or like clarification or like trying to kind of coax a clue out of him. There are people who are like, my significant other is sick and I want to find this treasure to pay for it. Can you please just tell me where it is? like oh my god yeah yeah like you want audacity that is audacity
1: <laughs> i hate people not not forest of course but people
0: yeah i don't really i i we're we're going to go down a uh, a darker pathway but um i don't really blame forest for all this i think he just wanted to do something fun and he did yeah So aside from that, there have also been a few other clues that have been collected. He has said that the treasure is above 5,000 feet elevation and under 10,200 feet elevation. It's like I said, it's north of Santa Fe in the Rocky Mountains of either New Mexico, Colorado, Wyoming, or Montana. So like the whole range of Rocky Mountains basically. He says it is not inside a building or in a cemetery. It's not in inside, like down a mine or anything. It's, and it's not that dangerous to get to because he hit it when he was 80 years old.
1: <laughs> I'm picturing him reading this poem for the first time, giving those clues. And then someone being like, oh, is it right over there? No, no, don't look over there. It's not right
0: over there. <laughs> oh gosh. <laughs> uh, there's obviously there's a starting point because it tells you to begin somewhere the treasure is likely within 500 feet of the first two clues possibly 200 feet i'm reading this off of a website called fenclues.com so (laughs) the book has like subtle clues that you can interpret but supposedly the poem has all the information you'll ever need for it um the treasure is not particularly close to a human trail and also most of the clues in the poem refer to natural landmarks not man-made that's not really helpful is it? Most of the clues. I mean, the poem wasn't
1: that helpful. No one's found yeah, it. Yeah.
0: Like there's a canyon, you know, you have to look for a blaze which could be like fucking anything.
1: Yeah, very very vague.
0: Like the blaze could be like a trail blaze on a like a tree or something or it could be like a huge scratch in a boulder or something. It could be anything.
1: Yeah, you also don't know how literally to read into it.
0: Yeah, right? like, and everything like, could
1: be a metaphor.
0: The home of Brown? Who knows what that is? <laughs> like Like is it just in
1: some guy's backyard?
0: Yeah, there it could be people named Brown. There was a guy in a in a news video I saw who was like, I think it's the home of like a specific brown something trout that live in this bend of this river. And like, okay, guy, sure. That why sounds not?
1: Reasonable, I guess.
0: Yeah, most of the people who search for it tend to look either like pretty near Santa Fe. Or in Colorado. Those tend to be like the two places that get the most traffic. And Yellowstone National Park, I should say. There is also a bunch of people searching Yellowstone National Park. Do you know if people have died trying to find this? Uh, We might be headed that way, Andrew. Oh, yes! (laughs) Oh, no. It's time to start talking about the people who died looking for Forest (laughs) Ben's treasure
1: listeners i promise we did not talk about yeah, this yeah that was both. not raised
0: in any way <laughs>
1: oh man uh, let's start this section first by saying it's a shame that they died but yes but <laughs> it's a little little funny
0: the first scare happened in 2013 a woman went missing got lost in 2013 looking for the treasure around bandelier Ma- national monument but she was found a day later after having to spend the night in the rough. And remember, it was hidden in 20- in 2010. There were no more incidents until 2016, when a man named Randy Billue went missing in January. Billue had spent two weeks scouting west of Santa Fe and had bought a raft to go down the river. There, he brought along a GPS and his small dog named Leo. <laughs> After nine days, a friend of his told his ex-wife that he hadn't been in contact, and his ex-wife then reported him missing. Uh, nine days after he sent out, after he set out in the first place, his raft and dog were found the next day after she reported him missing. Billu's remains, however, were not found for months after that. This was the, this was the first uh, case that went so long like this. Forrest himself actually helped. Uh, look for him because it was pretty close to Santa Fe after his body was found because he was found dead. uh, Linda, his ex-wife said that it's all a hoax, that there's no way the treasure could possibly be real
1: because her ex-husband would have found it.
0: I guess she doesn't
1: give reasoning there. She's supporting her former man.
0: Yeah, I guess, you know, and trying to, you know, end the whole thing before other people, Died because that's what happened on june eighth, twenty seventeen. <laughs> Jeff Murphy went hiking in Yellowstone National Park to look for the treasure. His body was found the next day, June 9th, after falling five hundred feet to his death. Here's a weird thing about this one. I think the park investigation was initially kept private after the death, so that they could avoid drawing publicity either to the to his loved ones, or to the treasure hunt himself, itself cuz they didn't want to like get more people into it mm. but uh, a a local news station found it out through a freedom of information act request and they found just, out that he was indeed looking for the treasure
1: just going back uh, one death you know to yeah. the previous death was to the Randy. dog okay to Randy the dog
0: yeah. was okay the dog was found the day after i believe the dog was okay i'm not actually sure they don't <laughs> you say follow up <laughs> Yeah, they say that the dog was found one day after he was declared missing. They do not say if it was the remains of the dog, so I'm assuming the dog was alive. Ugh, oh, yeah, let's. we're going to operate under that assumption yeah, for the I remainder think of the podcast. That's, I have no way of knowing for sure, but I believe that's the case. Then, uh, so I said the first death was in early 2016. The second death was in 2017, uh, in June, and just 10 days after that body was found on june 19th 2017 the body of a pastor named paris wallace was found 50 miles north of santa fe his body was found near a stretch of torn rope that was stretched across a tributary of the rio grande what the hell was he doing with all the rope he had bought rope previously i think maybe he didn't get the memo about it not being that hard to reach Cause maybe he was trying to like cross a river or go down the side of a Canyon or something. It's not, I'm not sure. <laughs> oh my God. Bring some friends, buddy. Yeah. Also the fact that he's a par uh, pastor makes no sense to me. Like he was a treasure hunter, but he was also a pastor from Colorado. And the one given picture of him in the news article I found is him on, like on a Harley Davidson. <laughs> <laughs> like he just doesn't really seem like a pastor to me. I don't know. The best treasure hunter of all
1: time was a professor.
0: Yeah. And his name was Henry true. Jones Jr. Yes, it, Yeah, 100%. I'm a big so, indie fan, so...
1: <laughs> so, pa- pastors, not too much of a stretch, perhaps. Yeah, I,
0: I, I back this up 100%. Anyone can be a treasure hunter. But that also means anyone can die looking for treasure.
1: <laughs> Friendless with plenty of rope.
0: Yeah, this is the fourth and final death to date. Of, of, of people looking for the treasure. Also, the people who are looking for Forest Fenn's treasure occasionally call themselves Fenners. Isn't that fun? A month later, <laughs> after the other two, at the end of July 2017, another body was found, presumed to be that of Eric Ashby. Ashby had loved puzzles and riddles, and he had actually moved to Colorado just to search for the treasure the year before. Oh, God. Yeah he had been rafting with several other people and the raft overturned and most of them made it back to the riverbank, but Ashby never surfaced. His remains were found a month after he went missing. What's weird is that none of the people on the raft apparently reported the accident. In
1: oh, he fell.
0: Yeah. I, you know, I guess we'll go now. Yeah. That's sounds like foul play. Yeah. Maybe, maybe, maybe they were all just real annoyed about how Ashby kept talking about this stupid treasure. Oh,
1: push him over.
0: Fucking, just turn the whole raft over. Let's go. (laughs) I'm so done. I'll endanger my life. Just get me out of here.
1: I'd be so pissed if I was on a raft trip with my friends. I fell off and they didn't report it. Yeah, exactly. Like, what
0: the hell? That's so fucked up.
1: I would haunt their asses in a second.
0: Yeah, exactly, yeah. Like, fuck, dude. Gotta report it if a guy goes missing. Anyway, those are the four people who have died looking for Forrest Fenn's buried treasure. Actually, no. Forrest Fenn has maintained that he has never actually said the treasure is buried. Could just be hidden. That's not to say it's not buried. Ugh, this fucking guy. Yeah, he's... Forrest Fenn is very adamant... He's insufferable. Yeah, he's very adamant about, like making sure that it's like as open-ended as possible like could be anywhere i'm not saying it's not buried you know and that's really the problem here the clues are like way too vague
1: like he made it too difficult we need one difficulty less
0: you need like you need to give like what i'm saying is like at least give the starting point or something or like give one thing that everyone can know for sure you know what i mean Like, people don't even know where to start. There are people looking for this in fucking Wyoming, Colorado, (laughs) like, Santa Fe. Like, at least give them one state, you know?
1: Yeah. This is going to become a huge deal when he finally dies. It's going to be, like, in the news. It's going to revitalize this whole search. Yep. And then we're going to have to be listing out more poor souls who lost their lives looking for a million dollars.
0: Yeah, and, like... The thing is, I don't really blame him for their deaths because he didn't think anyone was going to, like, go somewhere deadly because he was 80 when he did it. You know? He was 80 years old when he hid the treasure. He wasn't expecting people to, like, look for somewhere an 80-year-old couldn't reach. Like the pastor who decided to (laughs) rope climb across the river. Yeah, exactly! Like... And I don't really blame people for getting into it, because like, sure, that sounds kind of fun to do it. You know, look for a treasure. Why not? It's like hiking, but with a purpose.
1: <laughs> I'm imagining all hikers as purposeless drifters. Yes. <laughs> oh, there's a mountain. What, do you want to climb it? Oh, okay.
0: <laughs> exactly. That's what I What are we going to do is. when we get up
1: there? Nothing. We're going to come back down. We're going to
0: like look around, I guess. We'll just look at shit. Then we'll go home. <laughs> <laughs> that's my point, really. That's, hiking, the, this whole treasure episode hunting, just hiking with a purpose. That's all we've been, we've just been building to me saying hiking is dumb.
1: In conclusion, yeah. I don't like to hike. <laughs> actually and that's not. Why... i actually
0: mean, I actually do like hiking. I, should, I feel like I shouldn't <laughs> give up that impression. Like, I, I think hiking's pretty fun. Oh,
1: man. This is Eric's way back into... But, Andrew,
0: do you want to go treasure hunting with me? <laughs> <laughs> anyway, so I was thinking, what if we went to Colorado?
1: I'm down. Dude, if those guys couldn't find it, we'll probably find it.
0: There's, like, all kinds of online reasons. If you want to become a treasure hunter for this, like, go for it, I guess. Uh, Forrest Fenn says the deaths weigh heavily on him, but, you know, maybe you won't die. The There are all kinds of online resources for this. There are, like, people. people have drawn up maps that, like, you know essentially erase the parts of the map that it can't be in
1: uh i love the idea that people are like well i'm sure it's not here because no one's found it (laughs) it's more like you know
0: well here is too high for the elevation thing here's too low for the elevation thing like they're they're being careful about it most of the the people who do it a lot are usually pretty good about it like they you know they know how to survive in the wilderness the thing is going off into like you know uninhabited wilderness tends to get you you know in danger sometimes
1: that's why people don't live there
0: yeah you can trip and fall and like fall 500 feet you could get like mauled by a bear there are bears out there
1: maybe that's why no one can find it mm. the bear has already found it
0: yeah maybe, maybe there's just some grizzly living like a king up <laughs> in colorado
1: those assholes are never gonna find it
0: that's oh, pretty man. much that's we've we've been caught up on the forest Fen treasure that's about all there is to it there has to be some update in the last year we're gonna have like a you know
1: forest Fen returns type episode where we're gonna fill everyone in on our uh our mission i think he's
0: just gonna like keep writing memoirs and keep making money off of how his. old is he at this point
1: like roughly.
0: uh he's like 87 88 i think whoo good for him yeah I don't really have a lot of complaints against Forrest. He feels bad that people have died on it. Uh, And actually, there was, like, a chief of police in New Mexico who, like, asked him to call off the whole treasure hunt because of the deaths. Like, personally called him and was like, "Uh, have you considered not doing this? (laughs) Can you not? (laughs) Really tired of searching for people who turn out to be treasure hunters. I keep thinking of
1: Ready Player One. That's what this is reminding of. Oh, me god because i because i just saw it like not that long ago
0: oh uh, yeah what do you think of ready player one andrew because here i remember you recommended me that book
1: yeah it's a dope book
0: uh. <laughs> <laughs> from the i haven't read the whole book so i can't really judge but from the parts i have read i'm going to disagree with you it's the perfect book for
1: you to sit on a beach and just forget about books that are good and tell a wonderful story it's just mindless and campy, and easy to read, and a little fun. Not a ton, but a little. Okay. And the movie is all of those things, but not fun at all. You didn't like the movie.
0: You thought the book was great, but the movie wasn't.
1: Yes, that's correct. Interesting. Why? Well, I mean, I can give a million and one complaints, but it's the same complaint that most people have about books that become movies. Yeah. It was too short. They cut out parts that I like, mm-hmm. and <laughs> I didn't like the actors either, so that, that definitely wasn't great. But Isn't
0: there, like, a whole section in the book where they, like, quote war games, basically?
1: Middle school me doesn't quite remember that. It's been a while since I read the book.
0: I The parts that I have read, I, woof,
1: I did not enjoy. <laughs> <laughs> well, it definitely had something to do with the fact that you read it as, like, a college kid or as a... Yeah, that's,
0: that's true, you know. And I, I, the whole movie felt like just very indicative of this like white male fanboy kind of culture. Like, oh
1: yes, that is
0: accurate. Like the the you know yeah, video games are great, but you know what the hardest video game of all is? Girls. <laughs> that's what I, that's what the movie felt like to me, and I was just like, ah! <laughs> I did appreciate one thing I liked about the movie is that in the movie you just see that he has a delorean you don't have to hear about how he like souped up the delorean with like a million different things from the 80s <laughs> like you don't have to hear all that he just he just has a delorean and that's it that's the end
1: the car doesn't need a full backstory it yeah just we don't appears. need a whole
0: page detailing all the ways you know what Night R- knight rider is oh what is, oh wreck
1: it ralph do you ever see wreck it ralph yeah for whatever reason that's is that similar to Ready Player One?
0: A little bit. It's got a lot of the video game references that it's doing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, Wreck Wreck It Ralph is is I think Wreck It Ralph is good. I don't think it's great like some other people do. I think it's a little bit derivative of not just like using other video games as references, but also in its story structure it kind of relies on other movies to the like the way they did their emotional beats. Wreck it Ralph kinda of does the same thing. Mm-hmm. Like, it's, yeah. it's real similar in its climax to the Iron Giant, actually. And speaking of the Iron Giant, that was messed up, the way they used the Iron Giant in the movie. I,
1: again, I didn't, I didn't see it, unfortunately, but...
0: You I haven't should. seen the Iron Giant? No. Okay, so the Iron Giant is an anti-war movie. The Iron Giant is all about how the Iron, the Iron Giant himself chooses not to be a weapon. He chooses not to be used to destroy things. That's the whole arc of Iron Giant, and it's this beautiful emotional moment at the end of it. And then in Ready Player One, he's just like shooting everybody, <laughs> like, <laughs> like just blowing everything up. <laughs> like, way to go, Spielberg. <laughs> and actually, I think you're going to have a couple people at the major cast network who are going to be like, yo, I was with Andrew until he started talking about how good Ready Player One is.
1: You know what? As a sixth grader, it was a great book.
0: There you go, Andrew. <laughs> Stake your flag and claim it.
1: I'll die on this hill. I like it. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Good for you, Andrew.
1: All the sixth grade listeners are going to understand me.
0: Yeah. Look, here's the thing about the Major cast Network. We may judge you about your opinions, but no one on this network is going to say you're not allowed to eat trash. If you want to eat trash, Andrew, you go ahead and do it.
1: Do I have to tell you that it's trash? Do I have to be aware of the trash eating?
0: No, we're just going to tell you it's trash, most likely.
1: (laughs) Okay, even better.
0: Yeah, perfect. Okay, so at the end of every episode of these, Andrew, after a long story of incompetence on a grand scale, I do a little story about competence in an absurd way. Give me the pickle. Yeah, so it's got just a, a very small pickle for you today. And it's in keep... So this whole story was about one real old guy... And I'm going to tell you about two more real old guys. <laughs> Bring them on. <laughs> I'm going to tell you about Robert Whayton and Alf Smith. Robert Wayton and Alf Smith were uh, are, are both British men. Um, and they are famous for one reason that they actually share. They were both born on March 29th, 1908. They are, because of this, Britain's two oldest men. Because they both turned 110 this year. Do they not have timestamps for birth certificates back then? They share the title of Britain's oldest man because they've never figured out who was born earlier in the day.
1: (laughs) Well, obviously they don't remember.
0: (laughs) It's not like they can help out here. No one knows which one, so they just share the title. They are each Britain's oldest man. Despite this, they have never met the two of them. They both live in England. They have all their lives. Well, actually, one of them lived abroad for a little while, but for most of their lives, they both lived in England. But they've never met, not even once, despite the fact that they have shared this title for some time. But despite never meeting each other, they send each other a birthday card every year. <laughs> oh, that's
1: the dumbest thing I've heard all week.
0: <laughs> and for that adorable little bit of confidence, that's why they make the uh, that's why they make today's pickle.
1: Oh man, the the thing that strikes me the most is that people have been keeping track of, you know, who's the oldest person in the village, like who's the tallest man we've ever seen, like Mm kind of human oddities since there were humans. Yeah, how is there not a universal tiebreaker for who's the oldest? You would think (laughs) going back millennia, there would be like, all right, if there's two men tied, they'll. Fight to the death, or the little rock paper scissors. Rock paper scissors, right now. <laughs>
0: exactly. Best of five.
1: That's the regulation. At the very least, the one guy lived in Britain his whole life. He should get it. The other guy left.
0: <laughs> the other guy went to went to like Taiwan for a little while. Yeah, come on. Which one of you has vacationed less? <laughs> That's how we'll decide. I don't yeah, know. I to, just like the, go to the attendance I just like these two old guys who have never met but share a birthday and send each other birthday cards. Andrew you don't have anything to plug on the internet correct
1: um, no no I got nothing uh, nothing coming to mind you can check me out on Twitter yep. a Fleischer six I don't tweet very often but if you like to keep up to date on your sixers basketball
0: I retweet from time to time there you go a flasher six on Twitter. Uh, my name is Eric McAdams. You can find me on Twitter at audaciously yours. You can find other other uh, podcasts that I do for the major cast network now at majorcastsnetwork.com. We got that domain name. and we <laughs> congratulations to that. Uh, you can also find my personal website at nocharactersafe.com and find other writings I've done by searching my name, I guess. Who knows who will
1: come up? Will it be this area? or I another i got stuff Eric. on
0: Paste Magazine and ScreenRant.com. So, you know, you can read up about Jenna Dewan and Channing Tatum's marriage. Because I, I did write that.
1: Former marriage.
0: Yeah. Well, it's still, it still was a marriage.
1: <laughs> nope, it's gone forever. It's <laughs> like Fahrenheit no 451.
0: <laughs> it never existed. It has been erased. All right. That's it for Big Time Whoopsies. Say goodbye, Andrew. Thanks, guys.
1: Thanks for listening to the Major Casts Network. Stay fun, stay nasty, and stay major.